Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you ever get a little down in life? Do you dream of that buff body but can't be bothered to actually do the work? Of course you do. We all hate ourselves a little bit. 30 minutes from now, you'll feel so comparatively intelligent, cultured, and generally superior that you'll wonder why you ever worried at all. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Flats and Shanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of our weekly podcast. You don't even know what episode it is, mate. I've got no idea. I'm, no. My name's David Flatman, and... I'm Tom Shanklin. All right, Tom? All right, Dave? Yeah, I'm all right, boy. Mm. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate, good. Just about recovered from the weekend. Talk to me. It's fair to say I did not let the Scotland World's result ruin my weekend. (laughs) (laughs) One bit. (laughs) Actually, I think it made it better. Yeah. We were up in Edinburgh. Yeah. You know, the people are more welcoming then. They're all happy. Yeah. The locals were happier. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so you you did send me a WhatsApp video. Um, Obviously, these things are... um, encrypted and private and whatever it is so we won't show the world but you were getting down in a nightclub with uh plenty of sort of main faces Gethin Jones was in there big Stuart Hogg was in there having a Diet Coke and life looked good it's like a mad fan wasn't I <laughs> just trying to snapchat oh, everyone Hoggy sign this like, Hoggy yeah. sign this it was uh <laughs> do you know at one stage I felt oh god I gotta get out of there just a just a cling on did he did um, Stuart Hogg mention our podcast at all? Presumably he mentioned it. He yeah, was, he yeah. liked it. He must be pretty pumped that we've got him nailed on for Lions fullback. Yeah, every week. Yeah. Every week he's he's a he's a Lions fifteen. Yeah. Mm. What have you been up to then? Well, I went out to Scotland, mate, on the Friday. Yeah. Oh, I saw you on I saw you on social media. You were doing you were standing and entertaining the crowds at a corporate event, weren't you? Yeah. A charity event. Yeah. 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 Just. Um, you went down wave, all right. Just waving, really. Just come out and waved. Do you go down all right? Yeah, of course. Of course. It was a wooden spoon lunch, mate. It was in Edinburgh. <clears throat> Excuse you. Yeah, so I arrived I arrived at Edinburgh Airport about 7 o'clock in the morning. It was an early flight from Cardiff. Punchy. I was picked up by a lovely guy called Charlie Bryden, who works for the wooden spoon. Doesn't work. He's a volunteer for the wooden spoon in okay. Scotland. It's a lot of detail, but good. And <clears throat> Shanks got a cough, by the way. He showed me um, this new bridge they're building in Edinburgh, and I had three different 
angles of it. So we had um, a bit of breakfast and he showed me this, this new bridge that they converted. Mm. And then we went up to the top and saw it again. And then yeah. we drove past it. Again, there's more concrete used on that bridge. I don't even know what it's called. Um, than there was during the 2012 Olympics in uh, London. Jesus H. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So, See, that's a Scots for you, mate. They put the, they, they put the environment second, and they always have. So I was bridged out and then spoke at lunch, but ended up having you know, six pints of Guinness before 1pm. Wallop. I know. Standard. Standard know. weekday for you, boy. Yeah. Luckily, though, I was on pretty early speaking. So was it Lash Kaka Friday night as well? Yes. What did you do for you? I, I took it fairly easy, though. I was in bed by about... 3am no I was, in, I, was, <laughs> I was in bed by about 10 I reckon that's right you got your 8 hours yeah yeah exactly but Saturday you did a bit of corporate and then who, the game whatever but, what, but after the game you popped out for a, lem, was, for a lemonade so I did a bit of corporate um, I, I got there nice and early yeah no so wants, you no one wants you to be late do they no so you about an hour and a half early actually that's weird but yeah it's only because they scared me a little bit by saying that Paul Wallace turned up an hour and a half late Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't want that again. Mm. So I got there early. Presumably, Wally came straight from a nightclub in a different city slash country, though. Yeah, that's what we think. Yeah. I've got my accreditation. Accredit- I can't even say it. Can you say it for me? Accreditation. Accreditation. And went up and met up with Nicky Walker. Oh, yeah. <coughs> nice fella. Real nice bloke, actually. You're not going to slag him off on here, are you? Real nice bloke. Um, he's coaching at the moment, but he said the, the team he's coaching for in Scotland, he's... Going to finish, I think, at the end of this season. Mm. Mm. But he was a good guy. Don't know if they know it yet, but he is quitting. Don't know. So. They know he's quitting. Uh, met up with Nugget. Oh, Martin yeah. Williams. He was there. Presumably he popped out for a mineral water on um, Saturday night, did he? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He did a smoke bomb, though. He was playing golf the next day. So oh, did he? He wanted to be in fairly decent shape. I haven't finished name dropping yet, though, mate. Sorry, mate. Um, Dolly Weir. Yeah. Yeah, he's got... Lunatic. Big, he's got a big room that he looks after, the Thistle Suite. In Murrayfield, and he he dresses like a. What Scotsman. was he wearing this time? A tartan suit, a tartan three-piece suit. Yeah, he is special, isn't he? Yes, and also very good public speaker. He is very good. He is very good, and the guy with the deepest Scottish voice. Not I've Al Keller. Al Keller. Was it really Big Al Keller? Al Keller. Those enormous yeah. testicles, in case you don't know. Yeah, exactly. He has to on a plane. Apparently, he has to have two seats in a con. Not because he's. Six foot seven, but because his knees, when he sits down, his knees are four feet apart because he's really? got such enormous testicle. I did not know that. Yeah. It's because he talks like that. He's like a modern day bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a bit with them. And also, then, Gethin Jones was hanging around. Yeah. He'd gone up there. There was, there was a big Bill McLaren um, foundation dinner mm-hmm. on Friday night. So, so, Geth Jones was around there. Um, for those who don't know who Gethin Jones is, he's most famous for. Going out with Catherine Jenkins. And that's that, it. And that's it. What else has he ever done? That is it. He only did a little bit of Blue Peter, but who hasn't? I, I respect him because he, he doesn't waste money. And what I mean by that is that he still wears the T-shirts that fit him 15 years ago. He still wears them now. That's what I like about him. And I think presumably they're a size medium and he's gone up to a large. Yeah. Happens to us all. Mm. But so, um, he wears some very, very tight clothes. Not as tight as Ollie Barkley's clothes where you can actually see what you had for breakfast. But tight, nonetheless. Mm. He's a nice man, Gethin. Very nice Lovely man. Lovely nice man. So we, yeah. we entertained a lot of the boxes um, at Murrayfield. So mm. go in there, a bit of a, a quick Q&A. 
Some Uber lols as you walk yeah. in. Yeah. Are there any Welsh people in here? Hooray! Uh, How many have we got? Any Welshies? Yeah. There's, There's none. two. There's en- none. Oh, enough for a fight then. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> so I, that's what I always use. There's no Welshies in here. Uh, get out of here. Um, I like to use the um, Englishman and masturbation. The what? What's the similarity between an Englishman and masturbation? Don't know. It's nice to knock one out now and again. Oh, Tommy! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Don't know if I can use that. Should we keep it in? We've kept it in. It's okay. just been kept in. Well, it's either been, if it's been edited out, no one knows, all right? So we definitely keep that in, 100%. Real word. It's just a real word, mate. Okay, fine. Um, I'm still... And then yeah. after, so then after, we met up with Max and Tom Evans. Oh. Yeah, so imagine me, Max and Tom Evans. Oh, you're knackered, mate. The three musketeers. <laughs> Nugget was Dog Tanyan. <laughs> you two must have felt so minging with he those two. He was a weak link. Oh, oh, my days. I mean, you two... Yeah, but, like, Brad Pitt's a weak link next to I Tom mean, Evans. <laughs> I mean, it literally looked like Max and Tom Evans were brothers and me and Martin were brothers. <laughs> but it was... Um, so you were standing in the slips, like, a long way behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we, yeah, so we went to a place called Tiger Lily's then and we had a table, obviously. Of, Standard. And... They started playing this drinking game, which I've never heard of. It was something to do with a witch, right? So if any of you listeners have ever heard of this, you know, please get in contact, tell us what it is. But it was like an acceptance game. So it would sound something like, I am the witch. Are you the witch? Yes, I'm the witch. And they'd pass you something. And it was the same conversation you had to have every single time. And you had to look at the person. Every time you accept you... anything? No, just this, just just this drink. game, yeah. And okay, you had to okay, look right. at someone who handed you the... The drink before we're playing with vodka because we are mental, yeah. Um, but we drink responsibly, so it's fine, yeah. And I got stitched up. I normally, I'm what I am pretty good on drinking games, yeah. You and I I'm, never get nailed on those no, games because we're you know, we're very intelligent, right? Yeah. I've been done by EG three times in about 20 years, yeah, never happened. exactly, yeah. Similarly, similarly, same with me, um, but just kept getting done, couldn't could not work it out in my head. Are you sure they weren't black white in you? Not sure, no, I don't think so. It was... So black, black, white, by the way, for the listeners at home that don't know, is someone wants to join in a drinking... Or someone new arrives at a party or at a table or whatever in a group and you say, right, do you want to join in our drinking game? And you wink at each other and say, we're playing black, white. And you say, what are the rules? So, well, the rules are you do not... We do not tell you the rules, but you've only got to drink two fingers if you cock it up, so don't worry about it. But the next time after that, it's three, then it's four, then it's five. And you say, right, black, white, white, black, black. And you get around, you go around in a circle saying whatever combination of black and white and white and black you want... And you let them have a couple of goes. You never make them wrong the first time. You always, ah, oh, shanks, yo, black white. You can't white, black or black white. And he's like, ah, oh, does two fingers. And eventually you, you give him... You can't triple stamp a double stamp, Lloyd. Quincy's now erases, but you whatever. Then about three or four Touch rounds later, you end up with three or four other people have got it wrong. You target the newcomer and whatever they say is wrong. And they end up doing about five pints, not knowing the rules, because there ain't no rules. It works every time. Jot breaks me. When you're in, a, in an environment like that and you want to play a couple of drinking games and someone doesn't know finger spoof. Oh, yeah. It's appalling. Yeah, like, what's the point? Just like that, get out. Do you know Nick Abandonen's dad was world spoofing champion? Really? When he scores a try, he does this thing where he puts his... Like, you put your thumb, in, you put your thumb up like you're giving someone a thumbs up and then you point your forefinger out like a pretend gun yeah. and he puts his forefinger in his cheek and yeah. swivels it around. That's apparently an international sign for spoofing and that's okay. a tribute to his dad, who was world champion. So there's different kinds of spoof, isn't there? There's three-coin spoof. Yeah. Um, there's, like, fives. Yeah, finger spoof. But finger spoof's the best one. So you want your fingers on top of a pint glass. Yeah. Someone shouts a number, you take them off. What, if that number's right, you're out. No celebrating. 
Yeah, absolutely not. You're back in. Yeah. Um, and There's it, always someone who cheats, though, who pulls their fingers off early and pulls them off late. Or puts it on really fast and says it's straight after the next person. Yeah, do you know who that... I, you, I mean, do you know Rob Hawkins, the hooker who played for Bath for years, now plays for Bristol? Bristol, yeah. Absolute cheating. Loves wearing Bristol. cycling shorts. Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah. Which is fine, because he's got, he's got nice enough legs. Um, but if you don't know Finger Spoof, I don't want to be friends with you, basically. Yeah, or learn it. If you see us, mm. if you see us in a bar and you want to come and say hi... If you don't know it, go outside, get some reception, Google it, learn it, come back in, or don't say hi. I woke up Sunday morning at half past eight. I forgot to set my alarm. Yeah. I really panicked because, you know, you've got a flight the next day, the next morning. Yeah. And I forgot to set my alarm, so totally panicked. Um, got yeah, up at you half had a Paul eight. Wallace moment. Got up at half eight. I was in the airport by nine o'clock. Did you shower? Truth? No, no, no. Ooh, not at all. Oh. Not at all. And then I realised my flight wasn't until 11. Oh. So... Have you had a shower at the airport? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, just <laughs> use a sink. Yeah, ob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was my weekend, mate. Well done, mate. Yeah. Well done. Should we end that? Is that the podcast over? Well, I was hoping you might ask me what <laughs> I was <laughs> <laughs> that, You. Now, that, Tommy, reminds me of a time. It reminds me of a time when um, I was with... Um, I was holding back, literally holding bags for the England squad, right, in about 2002 or something like that. You were good at it. There's a technique to it, though, isn't there? There is, yeah. It's called being heavy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, don't stick your elbows out and cut Tony DiProse's forehead like I did. So what? So there was this defensive drill, and basically it was, I was partnered with Julian White, and the defensive drill was it was absolutely mindless, right? So I was partnered with Julian White, and Darren Garforth was partnered with um, Graham Roundtree next to us. So Julian White starts on the try line. I'm on the five meter line. I run into him with a pad, and I try my best to smash him. Like no, there's absolutely no gentleman's agreements. Yeah. And he has to dump. He basically has to dump me on my back. It's brutal, right? So when someone's got a pad, no matter how hard they run into you, if you're low and you, you can pick them up and dump them because it's just easy. quite easy. So Whitey smashes me on my back. They would not coach dump tackling anymore, but they did then. So I get up, back five metres, go again, back five metres, go again. It was for the whole pitch, 100 metres. There were, <clears throat> It worked out of being 23 or 24 hits. So by the end of it, like couldn't feel my fingers. I was head, head and back and neck were hitting the ground so much. I was like, oh, my God. Mm. Get to the end. Whitey's loving it, like he's spear he's so aggressive, he's like spearing me into the ground. And then Darren Garforth is a uh, Graham Roundtree's bashing Daz Garforth next to me and he's properly going for each other, because they're mates as well, and you go for your mates, you know. So he's properly going for him, like planting him, banging him in the floor. And we get all the way to the end, and the coach says, Right boys, that's it. Come for a warm down. And it was it was a joke, because we wanted to get our own back. Of course. And Daz Garforth absolutely lost it. Like he lost the plot and he steamed he steamed into like he got the wrong coach. I think he for, I think from memory he steamed into Dave Redding, the fitness coach, and we had to grab him and grab him. He was like, mate, it's a joke. And he was trying to kill him, like he was swinging punches. He was gonna fill a coach in because I didn't he didn't give him his turn back. And that is what I felt like just now when you didn't ask me what I've been up to. Ah, oh, right, gotcha. I wonder where that was going. Yeah. Um I, you know I'm a joke, mate. I know, mate. What have you been up to? Because I heard, I heard you on Not Sunday. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Not a lot of people liked it, but I did. <laughs> I um, Jokes. Jokes. I, uh, yeah, a bit of busy week. So I, I did a... I had a commentary, believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not, Tommy, the having listened laughter. on Sunday. I had my first ever um, commentary lesson on Wednesday. That's right. That's right. It was a bit like the King's Speech you were saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, Alistair Eakin, the BT commentator in Five Live, X Five Live, guy, he recommended this guy. And um, it's just, it was brilliant. And Ugo called me, Ugo Monia called me and said, I hear you've got an appointment with so-and-so. I've just seen him. So you've got an appointment tomorrow and whatever. And he's like, mate, he's absolutely brilliant. And obviously it takes a lot of lessons to learn these things and whatever. 
but it was it was a genuinely fascinating um, couple of hours we spent together and you, you can imagine that the, the general the overriding message for me was don't talk so much and talk slower um, but there were lots of other little snippets in there what tips would you give someone like me you know you genuinely and yeah. this, I say this you, you already know this but I say this to the benefit of our listeners you would get so much more work if you had a thick Welsh accent and I mean that like you, de- you genuinely would get so much more work like I reckon Mark Durden Smith would get loads more work and you get a lot anyway and he gets a lot anyway but I reckon you'd be mainstays if you had a thick Welsh accent so people know it's a Welsh person a Welsh legend inverted commas your words not mine on the telly they're listening to but also um, so I don't need an accent because I'm English and I'm not a legend so it doesn't matter if people tune in and don't know who I am because it's like lol everyone knows lol but it's like people to people will be list watching that no, game you're a, you are a Dulwich legend <laughs> yeah school legend they, people watching that game not knowing who I am and I don't, that doesn't, doesn't matter because they're not meant to but then you get someone like a Mark Dern Smith who is just one of the best presenters going you know he could, he could do well with being Having, not having a double barrel surname and not being posh, even though no one cares. I think the guys who make TV programmes need people to be distinctive for appealing reasons. Mm. So you're almost better off. So being a mate, what you're saying is I should get like accent lessons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, so after that, I, we, we did that lesson at uh, Roslyn Park because I was doing a, I hosted a dinner there. I do it every year, a charity dinner. Out of the goodness of my heart, because I'm a great guy. Who was on the panel, the guests? Me and Goody. Okay. So I hosted it and Goody was our guest and it's great because it, you can cut loose in there. And so did you do uh, you Q&A Goody? Yeah, Q&A Goody and the crowd Q&A Goody and it got to the point, everyone was quite pissed, it got to the point where, you know, there's always one table that's been a bit loose and it's really good fun. Yeah. They're really good lads and, and I've actually, I've sent a couple so of them. So does make Sean justice? Is he still? He's MD well, there, but yeah. he, he wasn't there, he was poorly. But there was the table there that were just lo- this, lo- this law firm and in the end I had to say, lads, seriously now, shut the fuck up because you're actually ruining it for everyone else. Yeah. And I said, you've got one more chance or I'm lobbing this microphone over there you said, and I'm coming the, over. You said, shut the front door. Shut the front door. I was like, shut up. You're actually ruining it for everyone. And they yeah. did actually end up being quiet and they came and said, sorry. Uh, there, was, there was like a... Red, <clears throat> Red Dave come out, did it? A little bit, yeah. It started to piss me off a bit. Um, but it was really good fun dinner for the Obolensky Association. It was really, really good. Goody's chat good? Goody, very good. Yeah, very good. funny. Good. Um, bit, bit ginger, but very good. He uh, Then there was this... I. There was a, a big awards ceremony, a big annual thing in Bath um, that I host every year with a mate of mine on Thursday night, and that, that got a bit loose, and it was really good fun. Well, You've got another mate from me who hosts? Sorry. Um, no, it's his company. OK, that's, so he, that's better. Yeah, OK, yeah. He's, yeah not, he's not taking your job as such. Um, and on, yet on Friday, I had <clears throat> lunch just around the corner from your mum's house at that pub. Because yeah. I, was, I was there. I was there anyway. <laughs> Needed some more sugar, did you? I got a text from Kevin Yates, the old bath prop, the one who didn't bite that guy. Come to fix a boiler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I woke up. I was fast asleep when I got the text, and I, I didn't hear the from text. From who now? I didn't hear the text coming from Kevin Yates, oh, the old yeah, bath prop, yeah, yeah. seeing a fancy bit of lunch, and I didn't hear the text come in. But <clears throat> your mum did. She was banging on the door trying to wake me up. Your mum. Well, she was. Sound, on, you sound like David Hay now. She was on the inside yeah. of the door. <laughs> <laughs> I copied that guy from Tins. He did it the other day. <clears throat> it worked better than that. Anyway, I was at the pub there and I had lunch with Kevin Yates, which yeah. was very nice. Yeah. Very nice man. But uh, yeah, up to, Saint, up to Saints doing the Viva Prem stuff on um, Saturday for one of the most Kieran Dyer games of rugby I've seen in a long time against really? Worcester. It was, it was shabby. And Danny Dyer, was it? Danny Dyer. And we'll talk, about, we'll talk about the rugby in a minute. But yeah, then on to, um, on to Twickers. Sorry, that's Daisy the Cat. You've heard her before. We're at my house, by the way. 
Daisy, shut it. See that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, England, Italy, which was fun, which I guess we'll talk about in a minute. But then it was, yeah, straight from, straight from Twickenham on Sunday night, straight to Dartmouth uh, for a... We met up with some friends yesterday and went out on the boat in the pissing rain. Ribeye, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Went down with Matt Powell and another mate from Bath and we... We went out on the boat and had a to, few to go to the wife time. and kids, yeah? God, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, very early start this morning, very tired. And I've just been to the dentist, as you know. Yeah. But that, that's me up to date, well, really, mate. Or slash vets. Slash zoo. Yeah. Um, but that's me up to date, really, great, mate. What did, uh, what did they do at the dentist, mate? Did they... Check up, boy. Cull your teeth yellow. Do you know what? Do you know what I got? You know what I got? <laughs> well, took your teeth out and put some oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to have... <laughs> Once, right? I'll tell you what I did in a minute. Once, there was this... Uh, I can't remember her name genuinely, but uh, I'm not being coy, but she was a team manager for a really short period, and this is probably why, um, of the England team. And I, ne- I never noticed her teeth. I don't think anyone else did. And I remember Ronnie Regan, who was just not... He wasn't very nice to her, basically. It, was, it would be called bullying these days, and we didn't like it. Daisy, shut it. And he, um, he's like... Every, he started calling her Keith. You're Keith, because apparently she didn't have great teeth or something. Keith! And we're like, Ronnie, stop it. And he's like, Keith, Keith! We're like, Ronnie, stop it, it's not funny. And then he, he, said, he shouted out, here, Keith, here. And he's like, is your, your teeth, are they cold? Like, is your teeth actually cold? And she's like, no. He goes, why has it got them yellow jackets on then? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but we were like, it was really bad. And she, she hated it, but in the end, she couldn't even, she couldn't even stop herself laughing. So that actually is very oh, good. I don't have the greatest teeth, but there's nothing worse than bad teeth. Well, there is worse stuff, there's famine. Anyway, so, um, I we- <laughs> I say a lot to that, can you? <laughs> Daisy, once more, you're in the microwave, yeah, okay? Those AIDS. Um, you don't die from AIDS anymore. No. Anyway, do you? Don't know. Mark Fowler's still alive. Oh no, he might be dead. Yeah, prove it. No. Yeah. Anyway, um, what I'm, I'm thinking about actually having my. Uh, they said, do you want to get your teeth whitened? Okay, what, to, to make you a little bit more appealing? Yeah, I was talking to Ollie Barkley about it, and he was like, oh, you should get your teeth white and get your, you drink loads of coffee and yeah. drink wine every now and again. So did, I was like, uh, just on that subject, did you yeah. see... Uh, we had a message on, on Flats and Shanks. Did you yeah. see that? What, Twitter? On, no, on our, on our Facebook. No. Um, now... That's your job, mate. There's a guy called Chris Moore. Okay? Moorsy. Yeah. And he said, I'm sorry about this, mate, but feel free to, to come back at me with something. Oh, no. Um... So I was listening to the podcast on a shocking drive from Essex back home to Devon Sunday with the missus. Mm. Then during the England game, she recognised the voice of the big man. Said, what does he look like? So I showed her a pic. She says... Sorry about Daisy the cat. Daisy, come on, sweetheart, be quiet. So he showed her a pic. She says, bloody hell. Wish I'd have asked. (laughs) 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 I was expecting him to be better looking than that. <laughs> he sounds lovely. <laughs> hey, you know what they say? I thought I'd share. Had me in tears. <laughs> you know what they say? Nice on the phone, add four stone. <laughs> she hears the voice, mate. Nice on the phone, add yeah, four stone. That's coming from me, though, as well, isn't it? Yeah, you you're know? on a special list in the God. world. Cup. <laughs> yours, yeah? Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So David, mm. do you enjoy your Six Nations weekend? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, I think we'd go in in order of the games. Yeah, so what was first then? So the first off we had on Saturday, we had Scotland v Wales. Yeah, now... Oh, I was that, there. I called that one, didn't I, boy? You did call that one. You mm. said Wales had shot their bolt. You thought that they had nothing really left to give, mm. and I disagreed. Mm. And, you know, for the first 40 minutes, I was right. Mm. You know, second 40, you were right, so it's a draw, end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah OK. Yeah, fine. Um, but... Overall thoughts? We overall, don't need to go to too overall, much detail. No, we won't have to go too much. Overall thoughts, right. Um, I think it was an easier result to deal with than England two weeks before. I thought Wales did enough to beat England at Principality Stadium. So that's what, that was frustrating. But this weekend, Wales didn't deserve to win. So it was, it was easier to take, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, they, they, were, they were the second-best team on the day. A um, few things were a little bit strange. Um, not scoring any points in the second half. Mm, not good. Not good at all. There was a chance for kick at goal when it was 16-13. And Alan Wynne-Jones wants to kick at yeah. goal. And you can't see it from the camera angles, but I, I was... I don't know if I mentioned I was there. Um, Ooh. Ooh. And I was watching it. And Liam, um, Lee Halfpenny comes over. He's obviously 15. He's the main kicker. You know, whenever there's a penalty in, in sort of in range, he walks over to see what the captain wants to do. It didn't look like he fancied it at all, and he started mm. to move away. Um, Dan Bigger was adamant about going for the corner. He didn't want it. Mm. And it was, in, it was in kickable range. I was on the 22... Far side... Was it windy? Far side touchdown. A little bit of a swirling wind. Lee, um, Lee Halfpenny got the exact kick in the first half with Liam Williams' try. You had Scott Williams then joining the conversation and, you yeah. know, he's the 12 and he's right in the mix by the penalty and he's shouting corner, corner. So all these people putting pressure on Alan Wynne jones to go to the corner. Alan Wynne jones says to the ref he wants a kick and then sort of the consensus is corner... So they go for the corner and they try and chuck this sort of 14-man line out. And he says kick, but he can't point, but he can't change his mind, can he, once he's told the ref? Well, I'm not sure if the ref heard him properly. Gotcha. If you know what I mean. Um, so they go for this 14-man line out in the corner. You know, that's really creative. Mm. And they're done for obstruction. I think it's actually Alan Wynne-Jones who's done for obstruction. So, so, nightmare. 
you talk about little turning points of game. I know shades, games are shades of England Wales in the World Cup. Games are won on small margins, mate. Mm. Um, and as I said, Lee Halfpenny got the exact kick in the first half. After but, the try. but I always just I was never involved in um, kicking, obviously. But when I was captain, every now and again, and you obviously you end up standing near the captain a lot, don't you? Whenever there was a penalty to kick and it wasn't completely obvious. You know, I, I would remember, say, for example, Steve Borthwick just looking across at Ollie Barkley, and Ollie was a brave kicker. Like he would take kicks on at the edge of his range, and he would, he slotted some amazing kicks over the years, of course. But there were times when he just said nope. And I remember one columnist in the Bath Chronicle, or whatever you know, where it was Bath Chronicle, saying that Ollie bottled it and wasn't up for it, and it wasn't you know whatever it was, and it's not bottle. It's like, can I get it? No, can't get that. Yeah, and no, well, which is fine if it's like at a distance and stuff. And the winds change, don't they? Maybe. Yeah, but not so much in a big stadium like that, mate. It's not that windy. Right. It yeah. swirls a little bit, but yeah. there's no real advantage with wind at all. Why know? wouldn't they kick it then? It's weird. Well, that, that's if your captain wants you to kick, you should kick it. But isn't it, isn't it actually okay? It's the captain's decision, but it doesn't ultimately. He look at a kicker, and the kicker says yes or no, and it's like, can you kick it? No. Well, you're doing it anyway. Actually, there just seems like a tiny chance that kicker's going to get that kick then. Yeah, but not... Isn't it really up to the kicker? I don't think so. It's your mm. captain who decides whether you go for the corner or you kick a goal. If, the ki- if it's not in range of the kicker, that's fair enough. Yeah. But when you're talking on a 22, it's in range of a kicker, mate. You know, if that's what your captain wants you to do, it's a, it's a risky kick, you might not get it, but... Do you remember a centre, Welsh centre called Tom Cheeseman? Sorry, yes. Daisy's back. Yeah, do, you he... to put, do you want me to put Daisy out? Do you think we should? Not Mate, like, you not, don't have to kill her. Not kill her. Oh, right. You think I should put her in the garden? Um, no, she's all right for the time being. Yes, OK. Yeah, hang on. You, you no, talk no, we'll, we'll come back to you. All right, hang on. Okay. All right, Daisy. Right, right, we're back on now. Daisy's gone in the sitting room, yeah. so she might be all right. A quick little punch to the it's ribs. Raining. And she's, uh, <laughs> don't say that. Dave. No, it's raining. It. I don't want to put her out as a judge. Um, yeah, Tom Cheeseman, I remember I was captain once. We were playing against... Uh, Leicester at the wreck and the kick was on the halfway line it was quite a close game and it was like bang on it was a centre spot scrum so we got the penalty from the scrum and um, I looked at Barks and Barks was like no mate too far and Tom Cheese was like I'll kick it boy piece of piss (laughs) I was like and he was like he played about 10 games piece of piss boy did he? and I was like "Uh, are you you a kicker? yeah piece of piss can't be that hard can it? he's like he was a young kid Ollie looked at me and he's like, he's, I've never, ever seen him kick a ball. This could be tragic. I was like, right, kick it to the corner, for Christ's sake. Mm. I wish I'd backed him now. Still regret that. This yeah. is one of the big regrets of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, Stuart Hogg was great again. Stuart Hogg was great again. Um, Scotland were pretty creative in that second half. Still like Seymour? Yeah. Scored a lovely try. What? There was no real space off first phase. Mm. Um, but second and third phase, Scotland, they, they managed to throw a lot of dummy runners in there. Mm. Um the try they created for Seymour was very good. Yeah. It was off second or third phase. It was, there wasn't much space. Mm. I think it was Hugh Jones ends up running a lovely angle. Stuart Hogg puts it behind a Visser. Visser breaks through because Liam Williams is drawn in. Mm. It's quite difficult two and one as well. He has to throw a little blind pass yeah. um, to Seymour and he, and he throws it and Seymour scrapes in the corner. And, you know, George North didn't have his finest game. Very quiet by his standards throughout the game. Misses Visser twice yeah. for a try. But, in terms of like ball in hand, mate, Stuart Hogg terrifies defences. Yeah, he's not just fast, but he's really fast laterally as well. So yeah. he can sort of move sideways as fast as he can move forward. Sort of like you expect to have groin injuries. Touchwood, he never never does, but it's, he just moves. He's not straight up and down. Yeah, right, no, I, I, I understand movement. where you're coming from now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite make sense to start with, but he used to play a lot of ten as well. So you know he's comfortable ball in hand. You can see that when he runs. Mm. 
Um, you know, he's got a good pass on him. And he's also got a massive long-range boot when yeah. needed. Defensively, there are question marks, but there are defensively there are question marks about Tim Visser. But he made a try-saving tackle at the weekend and you know, defended really well. I thought Visser was good. Visser yeah. was good. Dunbar was good. I mean, Scotland struggled first half mm. with Wales. Um, Wales ended up muscling them. Wales were better in the contact. Yeah. Warburton and Tipperick were on fire. Yeah. Reese Webb. Everything went through Reese Webb, who I think was Wales's best player at the weekend. Um, you know, there was a penalty or free kick at scrum Reese Webb taps it three games in a row he's been good draws in mm. Finn Russell and basically it's two passes down the line mm. and Liam Williams crosses and you think at that stage you know Wales have got the ascendancy the momentum's with them but come second half total different Scotland team and the problem was Wales had all this possession and territory and, and were dominating the game in the first half but Scotland was still in it mm. so psychologically tough so yeah so if anything, it was a bit of a psychological win for Scotland yeah. you know, coming out in the second half. You know, yeah. cope with everything Wales have thrown at them. But again, it's the same. It's the same sort of areas Wales are looking at: attack, not scoring enough points, mm-hmm. not creating enough tries. Subs are brought on too late to make an impact. There's a lot of talk about a guy called Sam Davies who plays number ten, yeah. Nigel Davies's son. He's a bit like George Ford, you know, that type of player takes it really flat. But yeah. then, you know, he, he ended up taking it really flat, but the rest of the back line and then were like seven, eight metres behind him. They're in bigger mode. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't the best. The worrying thing now, mate, is... Can I call you mate? No. Okay. The worrying thing is... Horrible man. Is that they are seventh in the world rankings at the moment. Mm. And if they lose the next two games, which they could, to Ireland and France... Yeah, which they will, yeah. Slip them down to ninth, and then the World Cup pools and draws are, are done on your ranking straight after the Six Nations tournament. So again, they can get they, the pool Are they playing death. France in Cardiff? They are playing France in France. I reckon they're cream-knackered, mate. They could be in serious trouble there. Well, they could Wouldn't be. it? I mean, pretend you're not Welsh... Would it be kind of funny if Georgia slash Romania slash Germany knocked away, like stopped Wales qualifying for the World Cup? Or... <laughs> no, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, but, okay. but, but, but I, I don't want to take anything away from Scotland's um, result. <clears throat> I think it was. I think we all know it's the best Scottish team we've seen. They're for above a while. the Springboks in the World Rankings. Yeah, now. they're up in fifth, I think. Mind you, I, I watched. I watched the Springboks team that the Wales beat in the autumn, and I honestly thought. My school team with Sheridan and all that, I reckon we'd have given them a run in them. They were that bad. Yeah. But it was a very good Scottish performance who yeah. deserved to win. Yeah. And you well can't done complain. Yeah. Well done then. Three cheers for Scotland. Hurrah. Hurrah. Um, so that was the first game, mate. Yeah, okay. What was the second game, Tom? Uh, then after that, I started to watch Island France. Oh, well done. On the TV. French pack are good, aren't they? They are good, but they're tired, mate. Mm. You know, I think it. We always worry about the, the French fitness and the, the first Wor- worries putting it strongly. I okay. don't worry that much about it. Question. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, the French worry about their fitness. Yeah. Is that better? Yes, thank you. Okay, thanks for correcting me, um, mate. And it sort of showed towards the end of the, the game, really. What was good for the Lions, for Ireland, was Sexton. Yeah. Oh, my days, he was good. First game back in 27 years, and he's that good. Yeah. Jokes. He's had a long time out. That's why, Tommy, when that is why, when today, it's Tuesday now, folks, and tomorrow being Wednesday, I'm going on Rugby Tonight on BT Sport, and one of the chaps there asked me to email ahead so they can create the graphics and stuff 
my Lions 15. Okay. <clears throat> and I, that's why Johnny Sexton made it at 10. Yeah. That's why he made good. it. Who was your nine? Connor Murray. Has to be. Easy. Yeah. By Shoo far in. the best nine. Shoo-in. Northern Hemisphere at the yeah. moment. Um, but yeah, Sexton was good. Nearly created another try for Keith Earls. Wasn't that obviously a high scoring game, but it just puts loads and loads of emphasis now on the last game, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's lashing it. Yeah. Ireland v England. Yeah. Aviva. Mind you, England Scotland will be fun at Twickenham. Yeah, that, that will could be. be a really good game. Yeah. That England will have to play a lot better than they did on Sunday to beat Scotland. I think I expect they will beat Scotland. So let's move on to that. Yes. Yeah, so quite an interesting game to commentate on that with the Italian breakdown tactics and or lack what'd you, of. What do you, you make of that? Because you were, uh, you were very happy with it, weren't you? Well, I just think, do you know what? If Italy do what they always did, or did what they always do, which was turn up, try their best, not be creative. They get pumped by 50 or 60 points again by an England team that isn't really firing yet. So do you know what? They had an idea and they probably thought some people might not like this, but we're going to do it anyway because it's going to ruffle some feathers and it's going to give us a chance. And I honestly think had they been fitter, they would have got closer to England. I thought it, I didn't, I didn't enjoy, I enjoyed commentating on it. I enjoyed the battle. I enjoyed how fascinating it was watching England trying to deal with it. And I kind of enjoyed the invention and originality it's just not as good a spectacle as a quick-flowing game of rugby with 10 tries in it and whatever it is and everyone cutting everyone to ribbons. It isn't as good a spectacle as that. I wouldn't want to see it every week, but they're talking about tweaking the laws already. But what... what should, we, I, should, we, should we get technical? Well, for, firstly, firstly, okay. what is they got a lot of hate from a lot of people. And, yeah, it's fine. I, I didn't hate it at all. I thought it was fascinating. No, I, I was trying original. to think of a word earlier. Um, just leading up into this and it was waxing lyrical you were waxing, waxing lyrical. lyrical I just think it, it's not attractive but it's fascinating and well, it's fascinating how thrown England were considering how experienced some of those players are and it, you know I, having been on the field in situations where you've got to work stuff out myself it is a lot easier to sit in the stands and, or sit at home and tell them they should work it out quicker than it is when your heart rate's at 180 you've never been there before you know um, in that and situation before and you don't see the big picture like uh, on a TV yeah. you see the big picture you see how many people are in that ruck when you're yeah. in that ruck you don't know exact numbers do you yeah just yeah you can't really see a lot of shirts in there there's loads of stuff you can't see and your head down arse up yeah and you're blowing yeah. and you're flat out and you're terrified you're going to get it wrong and all that stuff so it's very very difficult and it's super easy to sit at home and be the best player in the world or the best commentator or coach in the world and whatever but I thought it created a fascinating a fascinating situation they've received a lot of hate for it but they're, by, they're nowhere near the first team to have done it. There's a clip today I just retweeted from BT Sport. Nathan Hughes. Nathan Hughes doing it. You mm. know, loads of teams have done it. Loads of teams have done it before. So not necessarily done it as consistently throughout a game. But do you know what? It, what? I'll tell you. It made, it made for a challenging game on which to commentate, but an interesting, really interesting game on which to commentate. It was, it was really good fun. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, to be honest. I, th I thought it was good in the way they were frustrating England. You're and a purist, I, aren't you? I did. <laughs> I did quite like that because you could see them. It was infuriating them, wasn't yeah. it? It stopped them from playing, but it will ruin the game if that continues. Um, it was like a loophole in the law is what they found. Basically. Yeah, but if they tweak it, then fair play to them for um, finding it. And the, the issue is, the issue is, and I think this has educated a lot of people on on that style of rugby. I, I hope it doesn't creep into, you know, club rugby, you know, to league rugby. By the way, it already it, has, it, but not as consistently not as much, throughout not as, as much, that. not as much. Yeah. Um, the issue is that if one person makes a tackle, the ruck still isn't formed. You know, someone has to be competing for the ball. Yeah. Um, if no one's competing for the ball, there's no ruck, there's no offside line, players can come around and do what they want. That's, that's the loophole in the law. Yeah. Um, it, 
it's horrible. It slows down the game because all all the emphasis and all the talk at the moment is speeding up the game, making it more attractive. That's mm. taking a backward step. Now you can see why they've done it. Um, there's been lots of questions about this, um, and one question from on Twitter was something to do with was from Anthony E. Right, and he was saying, given Rutgate, that's what's been called now. Yeah, yeah. Um, should the ref only talk to coaches when both coaches are present? No, you've got to bring surprises. It's great, and you know the refs have got to be refs have got to be strong enough, and they are strong enough that if you know if I if I'm a coach and I go in and I'm coaching England against Italy and I say, hey, watch out for Cittadini. He's a cheat. He's always rolling his right shoulder in the tight end. He's a cheat. He's always boring in. He's got to be strong enough to say, I'll make my own mind up. Thanks. Not yeah, you're, all right. I'll penalise him for that. You know, so you're not going in and trying to get one up. It's like, look, you don't you don't have permission to tell them what we're saying. We are going to do this. We want you to be prepared because we're going to try it. Because otherwise, we're going to get spanked again. Do you think it's a, a small case of players not actually knowing the exact laws? I'll be honest with you, I didn't quite know it to start with. You know, I was having to imagine if you commentated on telly, mate. Bloody hell! Luckily, I knew that. Luckily, I knew that law because I'd seen it done before. I just couldn't remember where because I wanted to reference in commentary. I've seen this happen here. And I couldn't remember. So as soon as, you know, it's like as soon as you say I've seen it here and it wasn't there, there are 50,000 people saying you're wrong. It's kind of well. So okay. I, watched, I watched Cardiff Blues Treviso a few weeks ago. Mm. And Treviso were doing exactly that. Mm. Um, so it might be some sort of Italian. Maybe. Initiative that Conor O'Shea tried to bought in. Just Brendan to... Venter. Brendan Venter brought it to Conor O'Shea. Okay. He said, so, How do you know that? Because it said so in the, there was a report. So Okay. I just thought if you say anything with confidence, people are. Yeah. That's how it was. I agree with you anyway. Tom Hamilton, the ESPN scrum writer, actually, as soon as the game was finished, he had a scoop on it, but he, I think he very uh, politely didn't release it until after the game because okay. he, he's a good man. Anyway, so um, what I, one thing I wanted to say, and to sum it up, I thought it might sum it up nicely in commentary. I didn't get the chance. There's always other stuff happening and you can't always just say everything you want and as evidenced by this pod, and you've known me for all this time, you will, you will know about this. Given that I, I need to rein in how much I say a lot because I talk a lot, and so I'm concentrating all the time on not saying too much. But I, what I wanted to say was that a ruck is. It's even taking a long time to get that point. Exactly. Out. Yeah. Exactly. We're not. Who gives a shit? So we've got nowhere to be, have we? So you you got a load, you got a load of English. You got English player running with a ball, Italian player tackling. So English lad, Italian lad on the floor. They don't count. Um, the Italian lad doesn't count. You got a load of English players getting ready to ruck over so their hands are effectively on the English body, on the Italian body, heads up like leopards at a watering hole, ready to clear out, but there's no one there. So all you've got is a load of English blokes leaning on an, leaning on an English bloke who's lying on the floor. It's yeah. not a ruck, it's just yeah. a tackle. So I, calling it genius is pushing it. I think doing it at that level takes genuine balls slash desperation. I'm calling it a loophole. Yeah, it's great. And that loophole's going to get shut, I've got no doubt, but... You know, do you remember when we were at Sarri's, <clears throat> Tommy, there's a co- we had a coach called Alan Zonda. Yeah. Right? Rugby tech. Rugby tech, yeah. yeah. He created rugby tech, didn't Yeah, he? nice man. And I remember when I was eating chicken wings at the table and I put all my bones on the table and he was like, not on the side of my plate. So I put, you know, I put them on a napkin on the table. He was like, would you do that at home? I was like, what? Put your bones on the table. He said, yeah, your poor mother. Anyway, that's what I remember. But he invented, he had created, and he not invented, but the step drive in the scrum. Was, who, was that Hannibal Lecter? No, you remember he was he was Danish. Remember that? He he's, he invented the step drive in the scrum. So when the opposition put the ball in, our entire scrum took a step to the left and bang straight across on the angle. There are now all sorts of legislations and tweaked laws and sort of 
re-implemented laws to stop that kind of thing. But no one in the league was doing that. And people really hated it for a season. But Julian White and I got, and George Shute got loads of change out of that. And it was innovative. People didn't like it. They said it's negative. You're on the angle. It's destructive. You're pulling on one side, pushing on the other. But it was innovative and we got change from it. So we got a question from JW on Twitter. Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. Hi, Johnny. The, at the only JJW. Whatever. Um, yeah. Connor, he's, he's tweeted saying, Connor O'Shea delivered a tactical masterclass, but can they really build their game plan around those tactics long term? No. No. They, they can't. can't. But, you know, can they build their game around what they've been trying to do? They, they, they do They're not desperate, have... aren't they? They're yeah, des- desperate. There's desperation at the moment for them to justify their space yeah. and place in the uh, Six Nations. And they're, they're not going to have a game this season that has more exposure than England, Italy at Twickenham. But do you think, do you think they did that? 36-15, final whistle. They, and a lot of that was down to stopping England playing on front foot fastball. I think they fell away um, aerobically or anaerobically at the terms. I think they, they looked broken at the end, knackered. Yeah, that's the, that's the technical term, mate, knackered. Yeah, they looked knackered compared with England. Yes. And I also think the 10 minutes after half-time, England were fantastic. And I was amazed to see Danny Kerr subbed off after 51 minutes because that first half, he struggled. Because at nine, as I said in commentary, if you watched it, no-one struggles more in that situation, no one struggled more than Danny Kerr. Well, he's not, got no one to pass to, has he? No because they're blocking his passes. Yeah, it's brutal for him. Yeah. Brutal. It's lose-lose for him. So he had... A, and then the first 10 minutes of the second half, I thought, I'm glad they've left him on. Give him a chance to redeem himself and have performance. And I thought he was absolutely electric. Then Ben Youngs came on, and I loved Ben Youngs as a player, but I was like, why are they taking mm. DC off? And then Ben Youngs was even better. He was fantastic, you know, so... I thought England and England brought on guys like Henry Slade, who only touched the ball a couple of times, but it's just class, caused problems, and Italy fell away. But you know they, they had to try something because the whole world was watching. If they'd done what they normally do, England, even minus Big Billy, would have spanked them by fifty or sixty points. Michali Campagnaro scored a great individual try, mate. Yeah, but that missed tackle from George Ford, brother. He doesn't even get himself in a position to oh tackle. Days. It's like he's just going to be a speed bump like someone's leaning on him he doesn't even go with his shoulder he doesn't, his technique is appalling yeah I think he's, he's hoping someone else is going to make it and you don't normally see Mike Brown miss too many tackles either no but he's, it was great footwork Campagnaro is a powerful he, brute he, and he's been on fire for Exeter mate yeah, but um, he, he's only just started playing for them it's like why doesn't he play that much I know so I, I'm, I'm the same mate I feel the same um, Venditti's score at the end of the that. first half and what, you know, that you, was a little bit of luck let's be honest it was but it's still good wing play it's basics yeah. got to follow up your kicks Chase it. it yeah he is a powerful bit of kit like mm. I was I was, I didn't quite recognise him because he's had different haircuts over the years maybe I couldn't remember I was doing sort of recognition stuff before the game with my binoculars I wasn't with Nick Mullins binoculars and I was like I was like hang on a minute that's not Jager the hooker that's not the reserve hooker I was like that's got to be a front row player because he's not that tall and he is a unit Yeah, he he's is. a beast what um what changes would you make for, for England? Game? Yeah, Scotland. Scotland, um, I... Would you bring back Jonathan Joseph? I would, if you want the truth, Tommy. Do you want the truth? Is that what you want? Can I handle it? Can you handle the truth? Go down right, I can. I would, I would play Farrell at 10. I'd start Ben Youngs at 9. I'd play Owen Farrell or Andy Farrell. Owen Farrell at 10. At 13, I'd play Elliot Daly, so Jack Noel can come in on the wing. And at 12, I would play Henry Slade, if you want the truth. OK. Totally different team. It is different, and they won't do that. But that's, that's what I would do. I think that mm. is a scarier team. And I feel like there are, there are a couple of players in England that I feel like have to be... If they're not starting, 
Maybe Tio at t- Jack Noel has to play though. Doesn't okay, he? maybe Tio at twelve instead of Slade. Leave Slade on the bench. Be realistic. Jack Noel has to play though. Has to play, and you know there are a couple. There are a couple of players in England that I think have to be either in the starting team or on the bench and featuring in games. Finishers, Eddie Jones calls them subs. I call them, um, and those players are Elliot Daly, Jack Noel, Owen Farrell, and Henry Slade. I think Henry Slade has to feature in England games as many times as possible between now and the World Cup because. He can offer so, so much. There's every chance he could play fullback if he needs to. He's one of those guys you could put on the bench and he could probably end up probably end up covering four spots at a push. And he's just so, so good. And, I, yeah, I just think he's multidimensional and he's one of those players that I think needs to be in the squad. But, yeah, OK, Far- Youngs, Farrell, Teo, Daly, Noel, May, Brown. Stick with, stick with Mike Brown. Wow. Okay. How do you feel about that? Yeah, good. I wasn't expecting that, mate. There you go. Yeah. You weren't expecting to stick with my Insight. Brown? Insight. Yeah, well, there you go. Would you make any changes? Mate, first of all, I want to find out what Wales are trying to do. Because if Wales want to play a more attacking, wider game, yeah. then there has to be loads of changes. You have to play with two ball players. So there's a lot of talk at the moment about Sam Davis starting 10. Could Dan Bigger play at 12? There's a guy called Reese Patchell. Could he play at 12? Owen Williams. From Leicester. He's good, boy. Owen Williams they need, really they need two ball players in that back line, for sure, mate. They need Liam Williams at 15. Massively. You know, he's, he's the closest thing we've got to someone like Stuart Hogg. And I'm only, we're only talking about Stuart Hogg because he's in them 115. And he's your best friend We believe that at the moment. Hoggy, yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know what Wales are trying to do at the moment. They look a little bit clueless out there in, in some areas. Um, second and third phase, we don't seem to be creating, we don't seem to be throwing dummy runs in there. You know, Scotland taught us a valuable lesson on, on how to break down defence, and they didn't have a, much room. But let, me, let me put this to you. Sam Davis, if they gave him a game and left him in... I love Dan Bigger, by the way, just to talk about Sam Davis. Gave him a game, or gave him 30 minutes one week, 50 the next, just regularly played him for Wales in the big games with decent amount of game time. He could be the new Jiffy. He could be the new Jonathan Davis. Inspirational, creative player... Him, Scott Williams. He's got Scott Williams at 12, or Jamie Roberts if Williams is injured. He's got Tipperick slash Warburton at 7. He's not a big fella, but he's protected. He's got bangers either side of him that can take the hits. George Ford got exposed by Campagnaro at the weekend. But how often does George Ford get exposed for someone who's supposedly defensively weak? Not very often at all. No, he doesn't. He's a tough boy. He doesn't get exposed very often. But I'd still possibly like to see two flat-out ball players at, at... 10 and 12 at the so moment. So Williams out, bigger 12, Davis 10. Maybe. There's different combinations. It could be it could be Davis, it could be bigger, it could be Davis Owen Williams, it could be Davis Patch. There's a lot of different options, but that's if we want to play a little bit wider, like the old Welsh way, the the rugby Wales are famous for. Don't, at the, don't at the moment, you? we're not. We've gone away from that. We're sorry to use a comparison, but we're playing more like 10 man England would play, you know, 10 years ago, but obviously not winning. Don't you dare drop my Scott Williams. All right. No, I. That's my boy. I, I, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Well, we need to play some. We need to do something yeah. different, mate. So, I, I think Wales are. Do you know the issue? Not I think, very threatening at the moment. This one. So yeah. There's an issue with Welsh centres at the moment, in the ones coming through because, you look at the Cardiff Blues. They've got two foreigners, two Kiwi boys. Can't call them that anymore, mate. Two Kiwi boys. I thought Brexit got rid of the ice Kiwis. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Wales improved though with Brexit. I'm just positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got two Kiwi boys playing at centre. Um, you look at the Ospreys, and they've got uh, Josh Matavesi playing. They've got another guy. Another guy. Uh, Hadley Parks, yeah. uh, the Scarlet. So, all of a sudden, there's a lot of players 
a lot yeah. of centres which aren't getting a shot. We got some, yeah. we have got some good centres like Ashley Beck. Yeah. Um, we're hoping to see a little bit more of him. But it also means the guys that are playing are kind of automatic selections, pretty much, because they're the only ones playing. Yeah. They're not that under threat, are they? Really? Not like in England. I mean, imagine being a loose prop in England, for example. Or a hooker in England. There's competition everywhere. Yeah, Second right. row, there's competition everywhere. You're right, you're right. Unless you're Marrow when there isn't any. We're going to do, Tommy, a really, really, really short, basic premiership roundup um, because it's going to be a very long podcast otherwise. Can and I start with the first one? Yeah. Bristol Bath or Bath Bristol? Bristol Bath. That's the one. Yeah. Gavin Henson? Gavin Henson, man of the match, boy. We're seeing Gavin Henson this week, aren't we, you and yeah. I? Yeah, well, we're, we're hoping to do... Hoping he shows up, he said he will. We're hoping yeah. to do a little BBC video again, like the one we did with Andy Powell. Yeah, who's the funny, got the funniest bones of any man I've ever met, I think. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen the outtakes. Make sure you try and have a look at them. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure we tweet about them on Flats and Shanks. It's, not, it's not often you watch yourself on video. I wouldn't watch my own video. I can't really. handle watching it. It's no, Normally, but, normally. Normally, but that out, the outtakes I watched and I was... Hissing myself on the on the armchair in my sitting room watching Powley. So he he drives up to the car and he goes, Dave. <laughs> and I think he, I thought he said Dave. Yeah. So we get halfway through. I said, mate, you can't call him Dave. You're not going to know again. But then he comes out and he just says, he's like, all right, boys, which way's the M4? And I'm just like, <laughs> I couldn't. I tried my best. I just couldn't stop myself laughing. But then even when he drives off in the oh, golf buggy, I'm pissing myself. I know, like, I know. He doesn't just drive off and like wait and turn and come back. He just goes. He just that's goes it. off, drives off to his car. That's it, gone. Yeah, see you later. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to do one with Gavin Henson. Um, yeah, super Gav. Yeah, what a what a what so, a player in his prime. Boys. What a player in his prime. Anyway, and he, I, you know, do you know what? Uh, Wales could do with a bit of Gav right now, a bit of, bit of talent. Anyway, mm. so... So he's a um, bit of talent, that's right. They've got a lot of talent, but they could do with a bit of gab, if you ask me. So Bristol beat Bath. It was not a good game of rugby. Bath looked like with the driving mall and the set piece, they had an advantage. They didn't capitalise on it. They didn't stick to it. No, they didn't. Bath were poor, but they were made to look poor by Bristol, who scrapped for everything. They picked the most experienced team. They picked all their, you know, almost all of their big money players. And they delivered, and they absolutely dogged it out. Not, so, a, good, not a good game, but a really good win for Bristol. Do you think Bristol are going to do enough to stay up? I'd, if I had to bet my imaginary 25 quid on it, I would say no, I don't. OK. I'll be completely honest, which will offend some fans of other clubs. I hope they do. I'm a Bath boy, so, you know, for a long time now, and Bristol are a lot of more of a shower man myself. Yeah, I'm a Bath guy, um, so yeah. I can wallow. But, I, you know, Bristol, I had some special days against Bristol, so I, I, I would love them to stay up. Great signing for Ulster in Dwayne Peel, I think. Yeah, you know, you know, players straight away are going to make good coaches. We've talked about, and know, he's one of them. Is he? your best mate, Steve Borthwick? About yeah. like he was always going to be a my coach, soulmate. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Dwayne Peel, exactly the same. Okay, you know, intense. Um, you know, very much, very much scrum half, and so in type of you know, running the o- game. Overall view. No, it's fine. You doesn't, doesn't make doesn't matter if you stumble a little bit on your words because um, everyone knows you have got a bit of a speech. <laughs> <laughs> He's but quite analytical, game, isn't but, Yeah, but in terms of game management, he knows exactly where to play. Yeah. I think it's a great signing for Ulster. Yeah, go on him. I, mm. I, I kind of think that... Um, I'm going I'm to try not to sound rude because I don't mean it like that. I, I don't know Dwayne anywhere near as well as you do. That clicking, by the way, is Gus the dog walking on the wooden floors. He's an old man now. He's wandering into the sitting room. Um, it's not my knees. So I, I don't know Dwayne very well. Um, I know him socially more than anything, but I haven't seen a huge amount from Bristol this season which would make me as a director of rugby or a head of recruitment at a top European club mm. pay big money to get him. Now, admittedly, he doesn't have the best players at his disposal, being frank about it. But they obviously went through an interview process yeah. where, they, where they've interviewed him on his yeah. thoughts, on, on how, how he sees the game evolving, how he yeah. sees 
Ulster improving. Mm. Um, he's gone there as assistant coach. Yeah, um, and, and what I would say is the, the lads, what I know inside Bristol, they, on camera, they will always say they're all the best guys in the world. Mm. Off camera, they would say, tell the truth. And if they said negative things, I wouldn't say it on this podcast because that would be breaking privacy, unwritten, unwritten code. But... Um, I've never heard a Bristol lad say a bad thing about Dwayne Peel, Mark Bakewell or John Thomas. I'd say mm. that. Yeah, so they presume it sounds like a really good signing for Ulster. And well done, Peely, because that's a, that's a big gig, that. That's a top club to go to. Yeah, it's a big gig. Yeah. Any that's other nice. action? I was at Saints to watch Saints Worcester. As I said it was absolutely Kieran Dyer. Um, it, was, it was really bizarre, right? So Remember, this is going to be a quick round. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, when I when I was working at Bath, Bath Rugby after I stopped playing, Gary Gold was director of rugby. I remember watching games, and you had guys like Nick Abendon and Matt Banahan getting the ball in situations 30 yards out from but the Bath line, situations where Bendy or Banners would never, ever kick the ball. They were signed because they run the ball. Yeah. Kyle Eastman, ball runner. Great kicker, actually, but ball runner. And they were hoofing it, hoofing it. The crowd hated it. The players didn't really enjoy it. But Gary Gold's point was, we haven't been good enough. We need to just stop ourselves losing, whatever. And we need to just not play in our own half. So they were, I think in the end, Gary adjusted a bit and whatever. And now he's taken over at Worcester. Worcester, for the first 10 minutes of the game, tore Northampton apart. Through the midfield, They uh, Ryan Mills at 10, a couple of late balls, one to uh, Vinan Olafia through the middle. They carved them up through the midfield. They look really, really good, ball yeah. in hand. And you're like, wow. This is the best they've looked away from home, ball in hand against a big team this season. Then after 10 minutes, they stopped. They literally stopped. And every time they got the ball, they kicked it. Almost no matter where they were, they kicked it. But they've got players who were signed not because they're kickers. They're not, they haven't signed Rob Andrew. They've signed ball players and runners and line cutters and powerful guys. Mm. So they, they don't... Gary Gold has inherited a squad of players who want to attack with the ball in hand. Not and they actually look really good at it. And they're kicking the whole time. And it honestly lost them the game. Northampton didn't do anything special. Their pack was good. Alex Waller was bloody good again. Yeah. But honestly, it was bizarre. It was like, that's our game plan. Anyone who doesn't kick the ball is going to get shot, is going to see a red dot on their chest, or they're going to get the shepherd's crook. Yeah. They literally kicked their way to defeat. It was completely bizarre. And then at the end, when it all was lost, and they played a bit again, they looked brilliant again. So it's, it was truly bizarre. Well, well done, mate. You've not let any time left for the remainder of the Premiership Roundup. There were some other games in the Premiership. Thank you very much. So, Flats, I'm just going to bend to you up with this now. Um, <laughs> well done. Yeah, thanks. You're playing rugby on Friday. You've come out of retirement. Oh, boy. Tell us about this quickly. I don't want to play... I haven't played rugby since 2012, and... Played against Wasp at the Rec, never wanted to play again. Tin, Mike Tindor's got, he plays for his local village, Minchinhampton, in the Cotswolds every now and again. They're opening a new clubhouse. I know, fair play to him, mate. I know. Doing he that for like him. a little lo local rugby club. Yeah, but my mate lives in the village or nearby, and he texted me this morning saying he had, couldn't get a ticket. It's sold out. Really? He had to go and help paint, repaint the new, or paint the new clubhouse to like get a ticket. How many people are you expecting? I don't know. It's like, what's going on? I should tell you, I don't even know who we're playing against. It's like an old boys team. Yeah. I don't even know who we're playing against, but we're playing, it's like Minchinhampton 15 against. I don't know, Farmers, you know, British Beef, UK United. or something. No idea. So well, this, is the this is the team so far. Me at Loosehead, there are only a couple of players who've got subs because they've said I'm not, it's 20 minutes each way and a few of us have said I ain't playing 40 minutes of rugby. Okay. Me at Loosehead, Chris Mears, uh, Lee Mears, hooker, Chris so Forty, the old yeah. Gloucester Worcester hooker, he's at tight eggs, it's uncontested scrums. Adam Eustace, Gloucester yes. second row. Rob Fiddler, yeah. one of the best players I ever played with, he's got a sub too. Junior Paramore. Yes. 
Sam Vigors, who I don't know. Do you know Sam Vigors? I don't. Adam Balding. Yes. Tom Fitzcharles at nine. Don't know. Jack Richards. Don't know. Tom Bradshaw. Don't know. Terry Fanalua. Yes. Mike Tyndall, Tina Delport, Ollie Morgan, and Matt Powell is going to be on the bench. So how come it's just you, really, from Bath? And Lee, Lee Mears. Uh, just because we're mates with tins. Okay. And you needed numbers. Yeah. And we're great. We're great. That's always got to keep him with royalties, isn't it? Yeah, and we're great. Yeah, his Royal Highness. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's 27th in line to the throne, so you've got to keep him sweet, haven't you? Mm. Um, Married a princess. So I've got, I've genuinely, it could have been me. I've genuinely got. Don't go on about it though, do we? No interest in playing in that game of rugby, but um, looks like I'm going to have to. Okay. Right, question time, boy. Yeah, before we do a question, I've got, I've got one, um, one message from Liam Noble. Um, can I. <laughs> Flats, can I just say how much shit you were talking on TV last night? Innovative tactics from Italy. Is that really how you want rugby to be played from now on? Yes. I want every game to be played like that, Liam. And hey, Liam, I said something you disagreed with. You actually went to your computer, logged on, if that's what people still do. You hit mail. You created an email. You tried to, You went online and listened and got our email address and emailed in some hateful stuff, some abuse. You, my friend, are doing well in life. Don't make Life's me good. mad. <laughs> Life's good. Actually, I... The whole Twitter rule before we... Um, this is really quick, I promise. The whole Twitter rule I have after... I, I stuck to my Twitter. I went on Twitter after the game and stuff since the international. But By the way, like, I'm holding my breath, so you've got to get this out yeah, before what I, I just just to clarify, I don't mind going on and tweeting or whatever, but I don't go on and check what people have said, good or bad, so I don't need the compliments, I don't need the abuse, don't need, I don't need either in my life, really. I appreciate both, in a way. But now and again, I reply to people... But it's when people you follow send you a message, it pops up on my phone screen. So I know I'm just replying to their message. I'm not reading all the uh, shite. So that, that's the ruling. OK, okay whatever that was. Um, we've got a tweet in from Matt. Uh, Matt Brown underscore 10 on Twitter. He says, at David Flatman is a great commentator and his podcast isn't too bad either. Oh, God. Hey, I've got to take credit for that. Is that Mr. T. Shanklin? Right, that's, sort of, that's sort of a thank you to me as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you so, created me in a way. Yeah, I made you. Yeah. Made you who you are. Is there a question? To find you. No, that was it. I was just trying, right. to, trying to have a positive after a negative. Here's one from Dan Leachy. A lot has been made out of England's inability to find a way around Italy's anti-ruck. Should we be more concerned that Wales couldn't find a way past a normally organised Scottish defence whilst under the leadership of the Lions attack coach? Good question. The leadership of the Lions, yes. Uh, it is a good question, actually. Um, the answer is yes. It has to be yes. It does have to be yes, but also, right from the start of the Six Nations, I saw a massive change in Scotland's defence. I thought um, I thought they're far more aggressive off the line. They're, they're a lot better at winning collisions. They've gone to the team of, you know, three, four years ago. You know, this is a total redefined Scottish team, a team that's playing with confidence... But yes, I agree with the players and the calibre of Welsh players that are on that field. They should have. They were out, outsmarted, outthought by Scotland. They're outthunked. Mm. They're outthunked, weren't they? Um, here's a question from Ed Powell on email. Okay. Is it arrogance or fear that stops the Six Nations becoming larger, sort of a Euro-style competition? Um, does our affection for the Six Nations get in the way of it becoming a bigger, more exciting competition? I think he's. I think he's got a point. Really good point. Really I think good he point. Got a point. And and I I also think that this statement made by what's his name, something, something, the CEO of Six Nations saying it's not our job to grow the game, it's not our job to look after whatever people talk about, the Italian relegation or relegation and promotion. Presumably it's Italy at the moment and why aren't Georgia getting going and all that. I just think there's got to be a way around it, but that 
in a just as a, as a statement is bloody horrible and it's not it is not how sport should be we'll take care of ourselves thank you very much very um, unattractive Matt Raven on Twitter says considering the argument if Georgia replaced Italy they'd be battered too is there a case for going back to the five nations well it currently is the five nations really mm. isn't it because I think if Georgia did come up a lot of people saying you know Georgia should replace Italy Georgia's going to get spanked you know they're, they're not up to the level and the standard that the remaining five teams are they Remain, don't have the, the Romanian five teams are oh, the remaining. <laughs> they don't have the infrastructure in their in their leagues and the funding, like we get in the UK and France. Yeah, and yeah, and Ireland. So, there's no point in bringing them in to become the new Italy, but I I do think there is, there is a case for. I mean, this needs to be a much much more needs to be a much more evolved concept than this. But a second tier Six Nations, a second tier whatever it is, and a two leg home and away playoff between the top of the second tier and the bottom of this tier so let's say it's Italy v Georgia if Italy win on aggregate they play in the Six Nations a year after there can be balloon payments for I relegation like that. I like that so Italy can go down say they go down receive a balloon payment I say, say Scotland go down or England go down I mean God forbid or Wales go down but they get a balloon payment so they can survive financially because they lose all the gate receipts and whatever it is TV rights whatever. they've still got a chance to stay up even if they finish bottom of the Six Nations because they're playing against the stay top in. of the tier two yeah. so you'd like to you'd back yourself over that that's what you? I think and it just gives it, yeah it gives, it gives uh, and that's it. what I thought I, th- I said that to you off, off air and then you've just stolen it thanks that's absolutely speech not burglar true. that's what it's called um, not true James Jones on Twitter wants to know um, are there concerns over Alan Jones tactical leadership are there concerns over his tactical leadership um pressure them to go for touch, then blame the kickers. Now, there's just been a bit of a press release in Wales, and it's it's a I think it was uh, Neil Jenkins saying that Lee Halfpenny wasn't decisive enough in going for the kick. Mm. So he needs he's to be... Like, yeah, but if he says no, that's decisive, isn't it? <laughs> he didn't fancy it, but... I fancy it. Mate, if your captain tells you to do it, do it. It's in range. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the reason he's captain. God, you really hate Lee Halfpenny, don't you? I don't, I love him. I'm joking. Um, Here's a question on email from JV. But by, by the way, I do think that that little mini situation, that little incident will will have had, put a, if not a black, a grey mark against Alan Wynne-Jones' captaincy. Um, for, I mean, it's just one of those things that Warren got to be thinking about. There'll be a lot of pressure out there. Quite possibly. One of those things to be thinking about. Here's a question on email from JV. Yeah. All right, boys, how did Flats, that is me, find yeah. Owen Farrell when he interviewed him last week for ITV? Decent bloke, question mark? Yep. Yeah. Owen Farrell hates the limelight. Mm. Um, really doesn't like it. Doesn't really want to be on camera, but he was really open. And we had a, I don't know Owen very well, but we had a really nice laugh. He was really frank. Um, said that it's all about James Haskell and he becomes a different bloke when he turns the camera on. Really? So he was, yeah, he was really good value. And he arrived, did everything we asked him to do. Didn't rush us at all. Didn't ask us not to. I said, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And he said, no, anything you like, mate, no problem. And he was really, really chilled. And he's probably not going to go into media when he retires from rugby, but that's not what he's about. He's 25 years old with 50 caps for England. He's probably going to get 100. So uh, considering he's a rugby machine, he's a very lovely bloke. Good point. We've got a question, another question on Twitter here. Joseph James, in your opinion, who is the most underrated player in the Six Nations? He said of oh, yeah. the Premiership, but we'll just do Six Nations. Um, underrated player? Do you know I think? Yes, please. Hamish Watson. Yes. Yes. So good at the weekend. What a great shout. I mean, he comes on, doesn't he? What a great shout. He comes on after 20 minutes. Mm. And he was brilliant all yeah. the way through that. I mean, Scotland won the breakdown um, mm. second half, for sure. I, I, I believe he's very underrated. Yeah, can I, can I just agree with you? Yeah. I, think that's, I didn't think of him. I think that's a really good I shout. I mean, Campagnaro, another one. 
Yeah, I think he's quite highly rated yeah, by now, though. possibly. He's not an unsung hero, he's sung. Yeah. He's a well-sung hero. Please. He's a well-sung farm boy. Um, Richard Harriman on Twitter says, is Mike Brown in danger of losing his spot? Great servant, but his reliability in defence seems to be going a little. I think he's missed a couple of tackles. I don't think it's going. I mean, watch him week on week. I think he's defensively very, very strong. Um, everyone makes mistakes. So, you know, I... I think no. I think there's a lot of people want someone else to play because Mike Brown doesn't set the world like. And there were a couple of times at the weekend where I thought, pass it, pass it, and he didn't. So it's like Anthony Watson or Alex Good or Elliot Daly or Elliot Daly. Um, but I, I, do you know what? If I was the England coach, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If I was the England coach, it's easy to say, pick him, pick him, pick him. If I were the England coach, I'd be changing as little as possible because they haven't lost in so long, and I would be leaving Mike Brown there. Mike Brown's strength is he just... For, he's not a big bloke. He's not like the size of me or you. Um, but he just wins the collisions <laughs> on his turns, me. doesn't he? Yeah. Like, he, he dominates the contact. He's strong. You know, so he, he's he, wriggle, he wriggles out the contact. He gets the ball back. And he, you rarely see him held up in a contact area because he gets himself, he pumps his legs, he gets himself to the ground. He always wins those yards after contact, which is, to look at him, you think... How can a player like that, you know, do so well in a tackle situation? That, but he does. Yeah, that same aggression that people talk about when he's having spats with players and he's flying in and he's kicking off, that same aggression is what sees him beat first defenders time after time. Mm. It manifests itself in that when he's got the ball in his hand as leg drive and desire. So for me, he's still the best fullback in England. Mm. So there we are. There we are, boy. Well done. A bit of a serious chat, but a lot to talk about. Yeah. A lot going on with oh, the Six Nations. Oh, God, it's buzzing, isn't it? You know, two more weekends. Weekend yeah. off now, which is nice. Yeah. You doing much? Yes, I am, yeah. Yeah, always. We're having breakfast with Tom Biggs on um, Sunday. Uh, yeah. He's yeah. a weird bloke, mind. You, yeah. Proper weird. He's had, he's had his hair plattered and beaded and stuff like Proper that Proper weird, mate. He? But I like that. I like weirdos. That's why we're mates. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, how can people contact us, Tom? Usual, mate. On Twitter at Flats and Shanks. Email us, which is contact at flatsandshanks.com. Facebook. All platforms. All right, mate, that'll do. Yeah. See you later, yeah? See you, bye. Ta-da. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 